as being lost. Do we see like that? Do I see like that? Or am I duped like everybody else that it's festival time? Generally, we're all fairly well off. Generally, we've got clothes and nice houses. Uh, generally, we've got the security of a, of a job or a responsibility. Generally, we've got people around us that love us and care for us. Isn't it festival time? Isn't it a time to rejoice that we were born into an age that has so much that so many did not have? Isn't it time to rejoice that we live in a part of the world which is actually so different from the way most people are forced to live on planet Earth? It's party time. Or are we as lost as Jerusalem was back then? And he wept. To weep over the lostness of others is a gift that comes from heaven. And I need that gift. Because I will be too easily self-satisfied. I will be too easily content. I will be too easily focused on my own agenda. I will be too easily able to look away. We need a burden. One of the great things about praying for people uh, to come to know Jesus is that it's one of those few prayers that we can be absolutely certain that God wants to say yes to. Maybe you're praying prayers at the moment, you're not quite sure what, what God's purpose is here. This is a prayer that we can pray knowing that heaven is on our side. So if you pick up uh, the verses that David kindly read to us uh, some moments ago, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for, for everyone. This is good. Oh, that's a start, isn't it? And pleases God, our Saviour, who wants all men and women to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Bring all people everywhere to God in prayer so that all people everywhere might come to a saving knowledge of him. The message uh, paraphrases it uh, wonderfully, I think. The first thing I want you to do is to pray. Pray every way you know how, for everyone you know. This is the way our Saviour God wants us to live. He wants not only us, but everyone saved. You know, everyone to get to know the truth we've learned. So we carry a burden, but we ask with belief. We can ask with belief because we know we're we're aligning our prayers with what's on God's heart. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. They were saying, where where, where is he? Why hasn't he come back just like he'd promised? As some understand slowness, no, why? Because he's patient with you. Why? Because he doesn't want anyone to perish. Why? Because he wants everyone to come to repentance. If we want a prayer, pray prayers that firstly we know we're in God's heart, But secondly, we know God wants to answer. Then this is the kind of prayer to pray. Pray for all people everywhere. Why? That they might come to know the Saviour. And so as we pray for our husbands, our children, our parents, our, our, our spouses, whatever it is, our wives, we can believe that we're asking for something that aligns with his will. So, so far, so good. Although many of us here will feel that our prayers have gone unanswered. 
Why, if we pray with this kind of belief, do I find myself praying it year in, year out? Why? Because, because it's a choice. Your friend, your parent, your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, that doesn't yet know God, is absolutely free to choose. And what we can't understand, and I know it was last Sunday or, the, or, or, or recently, what we can't understand is why did they find it hard, seemingly so hard, to choose what we have chosen? Why do they find it so hard to see what we think is obvious for people to see? Why, when we hear the gospel preached and we think everyone was going to respond, do people find it so easy to walk out untouched and un? moved. Well, Paul tries to teach us something of that in this passage he wrote to Timothy. And a little bit further on, uh, he writes this, that the longing of God's heart and the work of the church uh, and uh, the work of the leader is that they will what? That they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. The Bible teaches that the powers of darkness, the rulers of this age, are very capable and active at ensnaring people against the choice of following Jesus. Which is why sometimes the most powerful evangelistic sermon and your best pleading and begging appears to go on deaf ears. Because people are, quite literally the words here are, have been taken alive. You are talking to someone who is not free in the way we might understand it to respond. They find themselves in a prison. Their choices have been curtailed. Their wings have been tied. They are unable to fly however much you beg, borrow and long for them to fly. They're ensnared. They're trapped. Or John puts it a different way. A different metaphor to try and express the same thing. We know that we are children of God as opposed to the whole world that is under the control of the evil one. This is a very, I think, evocative and disturbing uh, image that the English doesn't, doesn't draw out very well in our translations. The languages of a mother cradling a baby and rocking him or her to sleep. Have you ever done this kind of motion with your little one to lull them into a false sense of security? To make sure they don't quite realise what's happening. And against their will, you rock them into a trance until they fall. When some of my children were little, I could go, shh, as they started to wake, and it would somehow disempower them. It doesn't work when they're 15. <laughs> this image is of the whole world in the arms of the evil one, and he's rocking them to sleep. The spiritual sleep 
ever so gently and subtly and almost so that they wouldn't notice and before they know it, they'll be spiritually fast asleep. Now that's a thought, isn't it? Very evocative image. Tucked away at the end of the Bible. It says, church, be on your guard. Because the world is being rocked to a spiritual sleep. And so you get these different metaphors that paint this picture of the, the, the world not being free to choose. Hey, you can choose this and go to heaven, or you can choose that and go to hell. Oh, no-brainer, I'll choose heaven. Thank you very much. No. You can choose heaven, or you can choose hell. Oh, I'll just think about that for the rest of my life, and perhaps won't make up my mind. Why don't people see? Why can't people understand? Why don't people recognize that the guilt in them makes them feel judged, and the wrath of God is coming? Why don't they understand? Because they're being rocked to sleep. Rock to sleep ever so gently. They're not free to choose. There's a bondage. There's a bondage. Church, we must break the bondage. Amen? Amen. We must shout and scream and stamp. If it was a physical bondage, that might help, but it's not, it's a spiritual bondage. So none of those things in the physical will achieve what we need to achieve in the spiritual, which is to break the spiritual hold that people that you know and love live under. There is a hold on people. Rock to sleep. And Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's in the context of building the church that he says these words. What does he mean? The language is difficult. The language is difficult because the tenses are, 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 again, way beyond English. It kind of means, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in the heavens. Or look at it this way. Whatever has already been bound in the heavens, you can now bind on earth. And whatever has already been loosed in the heavens, you can now, in the name of Jesus, loose on earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what has been bound in the heavens? What has already been loosed in the heavenly place? Well, Paul says, look, you need to understand that in the spiritual realm, in the heavenlies... The powers, the authorities, all those rocking us to a deathly sleep have already been disarmed. The cross has already triumphed over them. Hallelujah. They are already defeated. That's what's already happened in the heavens. What it needs is the church to wake up and say in the name of Jesus, we want what is already bound in the heavens to be bound on earth. And the things that have been loosed in heaven, which is an eternal salvation that will never wane or falter to be loosed on the earth. And one day I might get a little excited about just that. But for now. That's the call of the church, to usher in the kingdom, to say no to the spiritual rulers of this world that are merrily rocking to sleep those that we love and care about. 
Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus, he, Jesus, shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and what? And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Being rocked to sleep. Can't talk about death, can't face it, can't deal with it, pretend it's not there, run away from it. Rocked to sleep. We can break the bondage. And that's why Paul says, look, hey, your fight in the end is not against flesh and blood. I can remember getting really, really irritated with a Jehovah Witness when I was about 13. Because when I was 13, I knew everything there was to know about Christian theology. Now that I'm almost 40, I don't know quite as much, you understand. And he just couldn't see what was absolutely obvious. Thick and stupid, or what? Uh, and, And in my enthusiasm, I think, if only I can explain it a little bit better. Uh Uh-uh, no, he's being rocked to sleep. It's not my explanation. It will not be the persuasion of my preaching, but the power of my prayer that will break the bondage. And so it's true for so many of us. So we can break the bondage. Uh, and, uh, And the Bible goes on to say, it's not just about the fact they're being rocked to sleep. Not the fact that they're ensnared and not free to respond in the way that we think they should and could. You know, why can't they see it? Well, they can't see it because the Bible talks about them being blind. 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 Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded. Sorry, wrong verse. Here we go. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see, cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Cannot see. If you can't see, you can't see. When I was... um, Oh, I don't know when I was, but I, I've had my fair share of, um, of, of eye surgeons and eye people and stuff. They're, they're, you know, be very wary of all eye people, that's what I say. And, and there was this, this, one, this one consultant in London, okay, who was convinced, I mean, I'll give him his faith, I don't know what his faith was in, who was convinced I'd be able to see through this eye. I can't see anything, I can't see you now, it looks quite pleasant. Uh, so, I can't see anything. And he thought, if only he shines a light bright enough, I'll go, ooh, that's a light there. I went, I still can't see. So a brighter light. I still can't see. And we sometimes think, if only I get the light so bright, they will not fail to see. Now, that's not an excuse for us to be half-hearted about getting the light as bright as we can in this place. We need a light that is bright as we possibly can make the light. But Jesus was the brightest light, and most could not See, they said to Jesus, they said, you're not enough, give us another sign. And Jesus said, give me a break, what sign do you want? Dead man will rise for three days, I can't think of a better sign than that. And still you will not see. There is a blindness. There is a blindness. So what do we do with a blindness and what do we do with a bondage? Well, we pray because the weapons that we fight with, the people that we wage war against, are not those that we love, that we long to come to know him, but we wage war with those that have caught them up in this bondage. We wage war with the God of this age who has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. And that's the war. 
And the weapon that we have is prayer, which is powerful to bring down strongholds. Hallelujah. It's powerful to bring down strongholds. If only we believed in the power of prayer to bring down the devil's strongholds as much as he does, we'd be winning every day. But he's so aware of how powerful our prayer can be to bring down strongholds, he goes, I've just got one strategy, I'll stop them praying. And he's brilliant at it. And we're suckers for it. And he sits back. As long as they don't pray, I'm rocking them to sleep. So we break the bondage. We remove the blindness. And uh, uh, fascinatingly, fascinatingly, when, uh, um, uh, when Paul comes to faith, uh, he's blind, isn't he, for three days. He's physically blind, helping him to understand his spiritual condition. I mean, how blind could you be? Here was Paul, who had studied the law all his life, total expert, everything about him was perfect. He's the kind of guy you would hate. Everything about him, genius in every way. Intellectually, he was sharp, he was witty, he was funny. He might have been a bit arrogant with the ladies, apologies about that. Um, but, but, but generally, he was a sharp cookie. You would have wanted to be like him. And yet, he's got it so, so wrong that he would go to Damascus to kill the Christians, believing that he was doing God's work. And so when he becomes confronted with Jesus... He's blind. Immediately, he's blind. That's your condition, Paul. That's the spiritual reality. And then after three days when Ananias came, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. A physical picture of what we're longing for God to do in the spiritual. I'm longing for scales to fall from the eyes of those I know and love who don't know Jesus yet. Why? Because as Jesus put it, in the end, that's the mission. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan, there it is again, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in my name. I don't know about you, but that encourages me to pray. It encourages me to pray that I can do something in my powerlessness. Because everything in me wants to explain it to them one more time. How silly can you be not to see this? And my explanation falls on deaf ears. And if I keep going like some, I don't know, whatever, someone that keeps going on about something is... If I carry on like that, then the distance between us begins to grow. But what if I prayed? What if I cried out to God, please break the bondage? Please would you defeat the spirits that are rocking my friend to sleep? Please would you send your angels to scream in the spiritual world. Do you know there's nothing more frustrating in our house when we're just getting someone to sleep and someone else says, Dad! Oh, heaven's sake. Shut up. I'm trying to rock. I need some angels with some of my friends to go, Wake up! Don't you? 
I need someone to shout in the spiritual world. I can't do that, but in the name of Jesus, I can loose on earth what's been loosed in heaven, and I can bind on earth what's already bound in the heavens. And that releases armies of angels to scream in the spiritual world, wake up! And you will know, suddenly one day, the light came on. And you saw it like you'd never seen it before. Why? At that particular youth group evening where people were on drugs and people were getting drunk and I'd been there week after week after week after week, not because I was like that, but because my mum was serving in the youth group. Why was it that particular night after I've heard the gospel umpteen, umpteen, umpteen times? Why then that night did the light come on? I don't know why it was that night, but I know the group that prayed that the bondage would be broken over me. And the blindness will be lifted. They did that for me and people have done that for you and we need to do that for others. And it begins with a burden. Let's pray. I think about Jesus there looking over Jerusalem and it all looked good. It was like a party day, a festival time. Everyone was happy. And yet he saw their lostness. Help me not to be duped. When people around me act like everything's fine, help me not to be duped. When people act like they don't need you, help me not to be duped. When people act like they've got the whole world and yet they're losing their soul, help me not to be duped. Help me to see like Jesus. And may you break my heart. May you break our hearts. May our hearts be broken with the things that break the heart of God. May my eyes be open to see. So Lord, soften my heart. Soften my heart to feel your compassion and to weep with your tears and to long in a deeper, richer, fuller way for this world that's lost.
If you're longing for someone to come to know Jesus, I'm going to invite you to stand. And in a sense, you're standing, recognizing before God, this person is on your heart. And then I'm going to pray. So with the name or the names of those people, if that's you, just stand for a moment. For those you're longing to come to know Jesus. And Lord, I'm praying. I'm praying, uh, claiming the promise of your word that the weapons that we fight with, the spiritual weapons that you've given us, have divine power to demolish strongholds. And for every person that's represented by those of us standing, we say in the name of Jesus that the strongholds that hold them tight would be broken in his name. That when Jesus died on the cross, he disarmed every power, rule and authority. He exposed them, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That's what happened already in the heavens. And taking the promise and the instruction of Jesus, we declare that on earth, that which has been already bound in the heavens would be bound on earth. And that which is already loosed in the heavenly realm would be loosed on earth as well over those that we know and love. And we don't work it up and we don't shout and we scream, but we trust in the name of Jesus. The name that is above every name. And we ask in the name of Jesus that even now in the spiritual realm, those that hold others captive, the spirits that hold other people captive would be stripped of their powers in the name of Jesus. That you would send your angels to scream into lives all that are represented all across this room. Scream into lives. Wake up. Wake up. And we're asking that as the scales fell from Saul's eyes, that the Spirit of God would remove the scales from the eyes of those we know and those we love. And we choose, not as an excuse for our lack of action, Not to protect ourselves from doing everything that we can in word and deed to proclaim the love and the truth of Jesus boldly and powerfully and contextually and with our lives. Doing all of that, we choose to say we trust in the power of our praying rather than the persuasiveness of our words. That you would open blind eyes and that you would release many people from the grip of the God of this age, that many lives would wake up. And it would start today, when we as your people, with renewed confidence and with renewed vigour, say, I'm not stopping, I'm going to pray, because every prayer brings down the stronghold. Maybe bit by bit, chiselling away, we're bringing the walls down. 
bit by bit, chiseling away, we're breaking, making cracks in the scales until their eyes are open. Lord, you said pray to loose things on earth that are loosed in heaven and to bind things on earth that are bound in heaven. And that means many things, least of all this. And we're praying in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. For those we know and love. And so we stand and sing our final song. We pray. Was it Hudson Taylor who said to a missionary uh, 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 that was wanting to, to, to win northeast China, I think it was. I might have got all the details uh, uh, wrong. And he says, you'll win it step by step on your, on your knees. On your knees. Let's sing together.